Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. What are three items you can't afford to skip over when doing a pre-flight on a complex airplane? Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com, and today... I'm going to share just that with you. What are three items I believe are so crucial for pre-flight? And one can be considered run-up per se, but really before we consider leaving the ground, when working and flying and operating a complex aircraft. By the way, this episode of the Commercial Pilot Podcast brought to you by our number one rated online ground school. Visit groundschoolacademy.com to see our hundreds of full HD videos, participate in live mock check rides and weekly workshops with myself each and every Monday night. You guys are going to love it. If you love the free videos we put up on m0a.com, if you love these free podcasts, we do for you guys? Well, imagine how good the stuff is when you actually pay for it. It is that good, I promise you. By the way, thank you for helping making the Commercial Pilot Podcast and the other four podcasts in this five podcast series, numbers one through five in iTunes in the aviation top charts. What a blessing you guys are. It's thanks to your listenership, your reviews, your subscriptions in iTunes. It's all thanks to you guys, and we appreciate that immensely. Three things that I do really... I've used the phrase a lot, beyond the checklist. There are three things that I do when operating and working with a complex airplane that, yeah, they're, uh, they're, so, they're on the checklist, but not in the kind of detail I'm going to give to you today. Now, you might be wondering, what is a complex airplane? Complex airplane, the definition, in order to call an airplane complex, it needs to have three things. It needs a constant speed variable pitch propeller. If you've done any flying towards your commercial pilot certificate, you've seen that blue knob there next to the throttle, in between the throttle and the mixture, you know it has something to do with the prop. Well, it helps me control the pitch of my propeller. I always give the example, think of it like a car with unlimited gears. I can put that propeller in any sort of pitch. Now, this, I actually just shared this in an email with, uh, uh, with an M0A.com fan and friend who said, Jason, I just don't get the constant, you know, constant speed variable pitch propeller thing. How is it that I go faster? Well, and again, this isn't the scope of this podcast, but sometimes my ramblings just sort of morph into this. When I can take, think of your fixed pitch propeller. It's very flat, right? It's basically oh, your wing turned just about 90 degrees, give or take a few degrees. Now, if I could take that flat pitch, because that creates a lot of drag up front, as you can imagine. If I could take that and tilt that prop backwards a little bit, I still get a lot of bite, bite of the air, still generating a lot of lift, but I greatly reduce my drag. And I'm talking, I'm going to gain 
five knots or so. It sounds crazy. Not only am I gonna gain five knots, but that reduction in drag makes it easier on my engine, which then in turn saves me fuel. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool to have. Now, I said there's three things that make a complex airplane. A constant speed, a variable pitch propeller, that's one. Retractable landing gear, which is number two. And flaps, which is number three. Obviously, unless you've done all your training in a Piper Cub, most of the aircraft you've been flying have flaps. A complex airplane, constant speed, variable pitch propeller, retractable landing gear, and flaps. Now, what are the three things that I really do extra? Two of them are on pre-flight, one actually happens on run-up, and here they are. The first is this. It's the landing gear doors and compartment. It shows up on the checklist as landing gear, but what I expect you to do, it, and I've done this when I was flying and based up in Massachusetts for a little bit in the winter time, it is no fun. I've done this in Florida when it's 102 degrees outside. Equally, not as fun. You gotta get down on the ramp and I want you looking up into that landing gear compartment. It's one thing to look at the tire, one thing to look at the strut, but where is that wheel going to go? Obviously, you've got two for the main. Don't forget about the one for the nose as well. Equally as important. Guys, I've pulled two bird's nests out of landing gear compartments before. One on a 172RG and one on an arrow. It's, a per it's rounded corner. It is a perfect little environment for a bird to make a nest up in there. Now, if I'm going to retract my landing gear and it goes up or it can only partially go up or it gets, you know, jammed on something, the, the bird or something that was, you know, foreign that was up in there. And now I can only retract two of my wheels or something along these lines. These are the things I want you looking for. And these are the things we often skip because the ramp is a thousand degrees and it's baking in the sun or it's a low wing airplane and I gotta, I'm crawling underneath the wing, I'm all over the place, or you're in Massachusetts and it's the winter time and the ground is just frozen and you don't feel like getting down there and the ramp's not plowed very well and you're gonna get all snowy and it's gonna happen. But those are some of the joys of becoming a commercial pilot. Down on the ground, checking the landing gear doors and compartment. Looking for things like bird's nests, wasp nests, mud dauber nests, all these sort of things that can make a home in there because it's so perfectly situated for that. While I'm in there, remember, in most of your complex aircraft, it's a hydraulic system. Now, I say most because some, like the Comanche and the Mooney, use different lands. The Comanche uses what they call the rubber band gear. The Mooney... Uh, you know, has its manual J-bar. We actually put it down with cabling. But most of us are dealing with a hydraulic landing gear system. Hydraulic fluid is what? Hydraulic fluid is pink. Or as the FAA calls it, salmon colored. Don't ask me why they, they call it that. But that's what they call it. It's pink. I'm looking up in that area for pink fluid. For signs of hydraulic leakage. You're going to see all your hydraulic lines right there. At every, connect, at every bend, there's going to be a connector point. 
classic places for a small hydraulic leak to start. And it may look small on the ground. Imagine when that hydraulic system is actually pressurized and actually in use. A small leak becomes a big leak. So I'm getting down on the ground, I'm looking at not only the doors, but I'm looking at the landing gear compartment. Where is my wheel going to tuck away? That's what I'm looking at. While I'm down there on pre-flight, I'm checking the tires. You've heard me talk about this if you've been with us long enough through the Private Pilot Podcast. You've seen our video on five things I do beyond the checklist. I'm big on tires. I'm especially big on tires on a complex airplane because one of the first things you'll notice, especially 172RG, 182RG, they use a much smaller tire compared to what we, uh, what we usually use. They use a much smaller tire. Now, PSI is PSI, but a little bit of air leaking out of those tires is a big difference. Also, those type of tires aren't meant for touch and go after touch and go. They're meant to put the gear down and get you down safely. They're really not the best tires nor the best landing gear system, especially on the 172RG and 182RG for a bunch of hard landings. Check tire pressure, watch for tire pressure, watch for tire baldness. Those sort of things what I want you looking for on those tires. Because the landing gear compartment is so small, so they had to make the tires smaller as well. So just little things like that to watch for. The third and final thing, doesn't happen on pre-flight, but it still happens before you leave the ground. It's the run-up. Now, on the run-up, you cycle the propeller. I cycle the propeller. I watch for my rise and my drop in manifold, my rise and my drop in RPM, and I cycle it twice. I cycle three times. First time, I watch the manifold pressure. Looks good. Second time, I cycle. Watch my RPM. Looks good. Third time, I cycle, and I look forward. I look out the windshield because if my prop had an issue, it may not show it via the manifold pressure gauge. It may not show it via the RPM gauge. I may not be able to hear it, but I can't tell you how many times I've gone to cycle that prop and oil comes out of the propeller hub. And you would never know it if you were looking straight down. If you're just watching for those two, those two indications which we're trained so much to watch for. So the third time I cycle it, I look straight ahead and I stare at that propeller hub, the backside of the spinner, and I watch for oil. I've sometimes had it as obvious as literally spraying back on the windshield. I've had it less obvious sometimes that it kind of just trickles down the cowling, usually the sign of something more to come. In the air is not the time to have a catastrophic propeller failure because I'm now operating, having another system, basically. I, I was so spoiled with my fixed pitch propeller, as long as it stays bolted on, I'm a-okay. But now I add this actuated propeller, would be a polite way to use it here, with oil and hydraulic fluid and everything else going through there, it's another system that can fail and another system that I need to check. Because, what happens if I have a catastrophic failure 
of that propeller system. What do the flywheels do? What happens in there? Well, there's, I mean, it depends on the circumstances. It's not gonna be a great situation. There's situations where it could go full feather. There's situations where it could go, you know, uh, you know full forward. It, it depends on what situation you're dealing with. But usually signs and early onset is a leak of oil from that propeller hub. Little things like that I'm watching for. Little nuances that you can easily skip over and not realize and think that pre-flight in a complex airplane is just like complete pre-flight in a 172. Well, a pre-flight on a 172 is much different than the pre-flight on a 172RG just because they're the same type model. One's complex, one's not. And there's a night and day difference between the two. Get down, check the landing gear doors, check the landing gear compartment, check tire pressure as well. Remember the tires, most times, most cases are much smaller than what you were flying on the previous non-retractable model. On run-up, cycle that propeller. Do your manifold pressure check. Do your RPM check. But don't forget to watch the propeller hub for oil. Listen, guys, thanks so much for checking out the Commercial Pilot Podcast. If there's anything, anything myself, my beautiful wife, Ashley, this great team here at M0A.com can do to help make you a safer, smarter commercial pilot this week, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out. Enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember, the pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. See ya.